Hello, everyone. Just before I hand over to my wife, uh, I was just looking up here at those pictures, and you see people, and they're like confused identities because there's all different squares there. And you know what happened in COVID was that the younger generation became confused about who they were, and they became very insecure about who they were. And I was looking up there, and then God took me to that red, can you see it? Warning. When seating is in use, keep balcony gates open. And God said, the gates of hell are open. You know, it talks about the gates of hell will not prevail. But they're actually open. God's done a good work through COVID. That younger generation that are lost, lonely, and confused, God's won that battle. And they will start coming in. And we've just got to be ready for them. On that note, um, <laughs> um, I was going to say um, kia ora koutou, morena, which is our Māori hello and good morning. Um, and we are from, obviously, New Zealand, um, called Aotearoa, which is known as the long white cloud. So um, lots of heavy cloud is quite normal for our, for our country. So I thought I'd introduce a little bit about us. So people get us mixed up with Australians. So um, I'm going to show a map of the little world. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so that's where we are. And of course, way down the bottom is little old New Zealand and the bottom of the South Pacific. And um, the next one would show, yeah, Palmerston North. So we're two hours north of Wellington, our capital city. Palmerston North has about 80,000 people. It's surrounded by dairy farmers. We've got the, um, we've also got a Ohakia Air Base on one side and the um, Linton Army Camp on the other. So we're quite safe uh, if we come under attack. But um, uh, yeah, it's got a, a university town. We think it's a lovely place to live and quite central. Um, we have three babies, which are grown now. So there they are. That We've just got everyone dressed up, nice to go out, and then they decided it was bounce on the tramp time. But Chrisana on the left, she's done law. She works for the government. Lydia on the right is next. She's coming over here shortly. You can get a three-year work visa. She's about to do that with her English psychology degree. She does special ed. And then Caleb's just graduated um, a couple of months ago, and he did criminology, and he's working for the local justice department at the moment. So, so that's our three little children. And um, although Nick is speaking this morning, I had a couple of little words to, to give out to people that um, God spoke to me about a couple of days ago. So I was just... Um, trying to find, I deal with colour, so if I find someone wearing a colour, um, I say, God, what do you want to say? So um, there's this lady over here, I don't know if I'm allowed to wander, but I'll wander over here, um, in the black cardi with this little leopardy spot. <laughs> um, I felt like God said to you that um, there's a window into your heart and God can see in, and um, there's a little grill at the top of the window and it's letting the air flow in, but that there's a padlock on it. And um, I felt like God wanted to say that if you unlock the padlock, that uh, he will breathe more air in you and you have to trust him with your heart and, um, and see what he can do. And it was quite exciting because I saw as the padlock came off, he was sort of looking in the window and your heart was enlarging and he was breathing more air through the grill at the top and um, he was going to take you on an exciting adventure. So I felt quite excited for you. So I hope that's okay for you this morning. And the other one, there's quite a few wearing... 
quite a few of you walked in wearing spots. I was a bit confused, but because um, this next one's about spots, but I feel like it's this lady in the white cardi with the blue spots on, and um, um, I felt like you were a warm, snuggy blanket, and um, that your blanket was big enough for many. Um, and I felt like the spots were all the people around you that you could sneak in under your blanket and you, they would receive warmth and love and support from you. And I'm not quite sure what stage of life you're at, but I feel like it, the blanket's wide open and everybody's coming in under for a bit of care and support. So I don't know if that's your ministry, but I hope that encourages you today. So thank you for that. She'll hand over. Thanks, dear. Like it's, it's really good traveling with a Christian. Because normally it's with Alad. And, and we usually start with a prayer for him. Because, you know, unevenly yoked. It's, it's not the right thing to do. <laughs> I've got a few words too. Paul, can I get you to stand up? Uh, the picture I saw was uh, in the Gospels. Uh, the paralyzed man gets taken and he gets lowered into the roof. And I could see it happening in my head, but then I noticed you were one of the pool bearers, and you were lowering the paralyzed man down towards Jesus into his presence. In just that sense, that's who you are. You are a person that has faith for others, and you lower them in to God's presence. And there's something about you, I think I said it to you yesterday, was it? That uh, there's something about you that carries the presence of God, but you carry it because you have a heart for others and you want to take them on an adventure and show them who God is. Can I, Julian, can you just pray the presence of God on him while I carry on talking? Thank you. Um, I'll see if I've got your name written down. Kath, married to, yeah, good. That's good. Um, I had the picture, you, were, you had a red uh, drink can there, and obviously you were drinking with it, but then I saw it had oil on it, and you were like coming up to people and you were pouring the oil over them, and you could see them go, as the oil was going in their eyes, they're all closing their eyes, and then suddenly they'd open their eyes and there'd be a smile on their face, and you just went around doing it to everyone, round and round and round, and the oil of joy was coming out, and just that sense that you've got joy in your heart... But the joy in the hearts of others, so it's like pour it wherever you can, especially outside the church, okay? There's something about you that if you pour it out on people that are non-Christians, they're still going to get it. They're still going to get the oil of joy. Does that make sense? The man here who's now looking away, Mike. Stand up, Mike. You got a bit of a hobble? Have you? So what's wrong? Okay. Like the picture I saw was you in a sports car. And you're in the sports car and you've got the roof up. That's what you call it here. The roof, canopy. And you've got, you're like, you're driving fast and the wind's just whacking you in the face, whacking you, and you're just loving it. And after a while you start opening your eyes and then you see these people on the side of the road. And they're waiting for a bus. And you think, mm, okay, better stop. So you stop what you're doing and you pick these people up. And you bring them into the car. And there's not many seats in the car. So it's full after the first stop, right? And then you look and go, mm, 
it's more at the next bus stop. I better stop again. And so you stop again and eventually the car's sort of unsafe because people are at the back and at the front and there's an openness about you that they love. So it's not about the canopy being open, it's about this being open. And there's an openness they love and they don't actually want to leave the car. So eventually I see you pull up and you sell the car and you buy a bus. <laughs> but it doesn't take long for the bus to be full. But I just want to say you have an openness in your heart for others. And it's not an openness to fill up one car or two cars or three cars. It's an openness to fill up a bus. Is that okay? Cool. Um, I just want to share a couple of words that I had for the church. So That's the one. Got it. Thanks, Ellie. I can also say, Matthew, lovely heart of God. Love you. You're a good man. Um, about two months ago, I went away because we knew we were coming over here. Sorry if that camera's not pointing to me because I'm going to be wandering. Um, and just started praying for the places we knew that we were going to. And I prayed for this church and I got two pictures. And I'm quite pictorial, which you'll notice in the slides. So uh, I'm from a family that's quite intellectual, but I missed out on that. <laughs> so, you know, reading the word is hard for me. Uh, seeing pictures is not. So that's the way that God talks to me. So I saw this picture, uh, and it was of a cabin in the hills with some smoke coming out of the chimney. Everyone snuggled around the fire, keeping warm and safe. The elements outside are tough, but that is where faith grows. It won't grow inside the cabin. And then in red, this was emphasized by God. God sees a beautiful church set in a beautiful city, a place to welcome the stranger, to open the doors to the wanderer, a city on a hill for all to see, come out of the warmth, and bring others back to experience the warmth God has given you. And then the very next picture, one minute later, was of this famous boxing bout. So it's Muhammad Ali, I think it's Joe Fraser. And I, I saw one of them, which will say it's Muhammad Ali, and he was very good at swaying and missing and never getting hit. But he didn't actually throw any punches. He just was really good at swaying, and his feet were still. And God pointed me towards uh, uh, sorry, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I finished reading that, and he went, go to the next verse. And it said, in addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The next season is about stepping out in faith. There'll be hits you have to take. Now, it's, I woke up about four o'clock. Anyone awake at four o'clock when the thunder was coming through? And I could hear it in the distance. I was just quite a way away and I was thinking, is that a train? What is that? And then about half an hour later, it was closer and closer and closer. It was coming. 
And then it was right there. And the lightning, boom. And the whole room was like completely white. And just that sense there's something new coming. I can hear it in the distance. It's close. It's coming. But when it comes, there's going to have to be a little bit of repositioning. Because the new thing will require you to give up some old things. But the new thing is going to be cool. It's going to be full of life. Because you are a beautiful church. You are a church that's been made ready. That can avoid the punches. You're right there ready. And God's going to breathe. Is that okay? I'll just pray about that. Lord, we've had fun here, Lord, over the weekend. And these are good people, Lord. And I want to pray that the source of life you would be the strength in them, Lord. And that your love would fill them. And Lord, it would be the thing that sustains them for this next season. I want to pray you're gentle with what you do and how you lead. And Lord, that they would be faithful to whatever happens, Lord. In your mighty name. Can I just get you to turn to, I think Chris started at 25. I obviously got, didn't get the reading because I got 125. That's because I need glasses, so I'm a bit blurry. So I must have read it as 125. Can I get you just to turn to that scripture? It is up there if you want to read it. It's in a version that's a bit weird though, so you might want a normal version. I'll read it to you. Those who have faith in God are like Zion Mountain. Nothing can move it. It's a rock-solid mountain. You can always depend on it. Mountains encircle Jerusalem, and God encircles his people. Always has, and always will. The fist of the wicked will never violate what is due to the righteous provoking wrongful violence be good to your good people God teach those whose hearts are right but banish those whose truth who turn to crooked ways O Lord take them away with those who do evil may Exeter have peace now I'm not a theologian like Chris over there and I don't think they actually know who wrote this but I'm going to take poetic license and say it was David. Okay? And whenever David talks about something that's got the word heart in it, you need to sit up. Okay? Because it says that he was known for his heart, and God said he had a heart after mine. And I'm getting on. I'm 58. And if I want a compliment from God, that's the one. I want him to say, Nick. You have a heart after me. About five or six years ago, I felt like God challenged me on my heart. And he sort of showed me a few things. I used to pray for people whenever I could. So I'd ask them lots of questions and there'd always be a need. And then I'd pray. And I noticed I hadn't done that for a while. And then he started showing me people that I remember that I had missed an opportunity where they were hurting, sick, 
And even the empathy inside of my heart wasn't good enough. I was tired, jaded. I tried serving God as much as I could. I loved him, loved his presence. But there was something in my heart that had grown hard. And so I prayed to God to soften my heart. And I prayed that as much as I could. That was about 2018. And then, since then, lots of tough things have happened. Now, did God make those tough things happen? No. But he knew they were going to happen, and he knew he wanted my heart soft, so he gave me some warning. So we lost two of our good friends. I had a cancer scare, uh, lots of family issues. It was just one thing after the other that occurred. And then... About five or six months ago, Diane gets a phone call from one of our best friend's daughters. And she says to Diane, Diane, can you come up to the hospital? My baby's sick. It's terminal, but actually I'm really anxious. And I wouldn't mind some tablets from the supermarket to get rid of that anxiety in my stomach. Now these people aren't Christians and we've walked with them for 20 years and they're still not Christians. And Diane, being Diane, goes, yeah, I'll come up. But she's in the bottom of New Zealand, and this is in the middle of New Zealand. So she rings me at 10 o'clock at night. And my attitude was, you know, not that good. I want to go to bed. It's a stink attitude, but I obey my wife. There wasn't much God going on. It was just obey my wife. And so I went to the supermarket and I got the tablets that she'd asked for. And it was arranged that I get up to the hospital. She'd come out quickly, grab the stuff because there's a two-minute limit on the car parks. And so I go up there and she's not there. And worse than that, there's a policeman behind me, parked. And I'm getting a little bit anxious, thinking, come on, God, what's happening? And she comes out, and she's actually got a baby in her arms. And she hops in the car, into the passenger seat, and she falls into my arms, crying. And she starts telling the story that none of his reflexes are working. They expect he's going to die soon. He hasn't put on any weight for the last six to eight weeks. And I tell you, my heart was moved. And in scripture, it talks about when Jesus' heart was moved, he healed. Now this girl who's probably 30, she knows our story. She knows we love God. And she saw our oldest daughter that you saw up there, Chrisana, was born 16 weeks early. And she used to fit in my hand. So we knew that miracle and she had seen that miracle. So I said to her, look... You know how Chrisana was born. Can I pray? And I tell you, without a movement, it was just like baby into my arms as quick as possible. And so I prayed, and then we talked for an hour about God. And then she went, she took little baby Harrison into the hospital, and then I went back home. And about 7 o'clock in the morning, she rang me, and she said, Nick, I've never felt that peace before. 
can you go pray for my husband? So I rang out the husband, take him out for breakfast that day, talk for an hour and a half in the cafe to him, and then he leaves to go back to look after the other children. So I don't know anything that's happening. Go to church on a Sunday, and what do good Christians do on a Sunday at church? They turn this off, don't they? Stink, I turned mine off, and he rung. So then after church, I had to ring him back. And he rang me, sorry, I talked to him, and he said, Nick, the doctors have just walked by, and they're walking by like this, and they took a second look. And they saw Harrison with his head being held up. And they came back and went, he can't hold his head. What's happened? And so they asked the nurse to go get a reflex tester. And they tested all his reflexes, and they all worked. They didn't work 100%, okay, and he's still not 100%. Then they weighed him, and he'd put on enough weight for the last two months. When God moves your heart, it's so easy because you know that he's in it. So that's little Harrison. So he can hold himself up now. He can't walk, but he's getting there. You know, it says in Philippians that when God starts a good work in us, he is faithful to complete it. Now his his uh, father, we've been meeting every month, he's a good friend. And he's teaching me about the Bible app. Because I'm not that good on technology. But he shows me the Bible app when we sit and he goes, do you know you can do this? Do you know you can do that? And he's managed to find his mother's Bible that he's reading now. And the last time we visited him, the peace in their house is just completely different. There's a peace, and it used to be a place that was just full of anxiety. But when God moves your heart, it's so easy to do what he asks. The heart is everything. It says down there, which is Proverbs 4.23, above all else, so that's everything else. There's nothing in between above all else. It's everything. Guard your heart it determines the course of your life so we have a little probably a godson because the other two are right who's now smiling away always happy that we get to see regularly and he's not dead now because i'm prophetic i go around the place and you guys might get lost (laughs) so here's the summary points so if you're taking notes there they are you can totally rely on god he has you in a safe place he has absolutely once and for all defeated satan it is in his presence that we are transformed the heart is where faith is grown keep it soft and then god can move it god loves the small things going to go back to that psalm 125 so just have another look at it past the baby picture pause like i like the context of what's happening here so the geographical context about israel is that israel was in the middle of the big nations in historical times 
just wanted to go to the baby picture, really. So you can see Israel there in the yellow, and you've got Egypt, probably the most powerful nation that ever existed on earth. And then you've got Assyria, Babylon, uh, Persia. They're all Mesopotamia. They're all up on the north. So Israel was always in the middle of warring parties. And it says in Deuteronomy 7, notice the word heart is highlighted again. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. You were the smallest of nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping an oath he had sworn to your ancestors. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we think that Israel is the center of everything. It's not. It's insignificant. Which gives us faith for ourselves. When we're small, we think, oh, I can't do anything. Israel chose. Israel was chosen by God because it was the smallest. So who's he going to choose? The smallest. He loves the small. Oh, this is the historical context. Sorry, Chris, if any of this is wrong. Just poetic license. <laughs> so you can imagine David, and he's standing on Mount Zion, and he's looking out, and he can see six mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And he thinks to God, Lord, wow, why did you let me conquer Jerusalem? This land of Canaan you promised to Abraham 950 odd years ago and I get to do it I'm the one you choose Lord wow and then he turns around and he looks at Mount Zion and he remembers this is where Abraham took Isaac up this is where the angel of the Lord appeared and said no you don't have to, don't have to sacrifice your son and he gave him a replacement and said, your descendants will be as many as the stars. The Abrahamic covenant, some of it was on this mountain. And then he might look down a little bit lower, and he might go, but where are you, Lord? You've done all this for me, but where are you? And he did, and his heart broke. And he remembered where the Ark of the Covenant was and then he planned to bring it back because the presence of God was missing. He'd done all the right things God had asked him to do. But when it came down to it, God was missing and he wanted the presence of God back. I was sitting worshipping there and my hand was going like that. When my hand goes like that, that's the presence of God is here. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen here with you guys, which says to me, you're used to it. You know it. You know the presence of God. It's something that you've grown up with. The presence of God is the central part of who we are. When David conquered Jerusalem, they had to go through the water shaft, the source of life, to get into the central city was the spring the Jebusites said you can't get in you can't get in they found the source of life and they got in 
The presence of God is our source of life. It's the thing that keeps us going. I love the presence of God. Love it. I just know that it keeps me safe. When I'm nervous, it always turns up. I can trust it. It's interesting that they had to go through the shaft to get there. Could have cut off the water. Would have been no water going in. But they chose to sneak up through the water shaft, through the centre, up, and Jerusalem was conquered from the inside out. I think in terms of just looking at David and his reflections, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. David knew his heart was the key. And he was saddened when he realized the presence was not there with him. I was just thinking about it for you guys. quite love that picture of the heart and how it spills over and splashes across everything that it touches because I'm pictorial. But I feel like God would say that he has got you. You are well positioned in his shelter. It's a season of chasing his presence it will take faith and a clean heart because everything flows from the heart our love of God our love of people holiness repentance without faith it's impossible to please God I know in my life had a decade probably of tough stuff just one after the other. And I look back on it and I think, oh, Lord, that was hard. And I don't ever want to go through it again, but I know that's where my faith grew. And I wouldn't take it back because in those 10 years, I learned to hear his voice. And I learned to understand that I just actually had to sit beside him. I didn't actually have to ask him questions or anything I just had to sit beside him let him come alongside and just enjoy him but if I hadn't gone through the tough times I wouldn't have learned that Di and I have a few favourite sayings life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain I love that one. We've got to enjoy the, the trials that God gives us because it's about getting close. Mountaintops inspire leaders, but valleys mature them. The scripture is about being up the mountaintops. David had been through a lot of things before he got there, and he still recognized he was missing the presence. And this is the one I live by. Sometimes we, we win. And sometimes we learn, but we never lose. And I've learned over time that when I go through tough times, I used to say to God, you must be joking. Here we go again. Haven't I had enough, Lord? And over time, I've worked out, it's best to say, teach me what I need to learn, Lord. Because I don't particularly want to go through it a second time. The hard times are where we're formed. 
It's where we hear God. It's where our hearts have a choice, hardened or softened. Keep them soft so the presence of God can move through you. I just want to talk to the older age group. Could I get those people that are probably like 70 and up? Could they stand up, please? Alad. Alad. I felt this word for you guys, and I felt it last year as well. There's something about this nation and the older people, okay? And it's the story of Jesus turning water into wine. And he's at the feast, and his mother convinces him to do the first miracle, and he honors his mother by doing it. And he says to the people, see those jars over there? Take them and fill them. Now, those jars in those times were likely, they say, to be the ones where they washed their hands as they walked in. So it's about being clean. So the, the water was dirty. And he didn't say, empty it. He said, fill it up. And they went away and they filled it up. And they brought them back and they gave it to the master of the ceremony and he said, why have you left the best till last? And I just want to say to you guys, I really feel that's what God's saying to you. He took everything they'd walked through, jaded, hurt, whatever it was, and he made it the most beautiful wine he could. And I just feel like for that, this generation, if you choose to say, let's go around again, Lord, this will be the best season. Can I pray for you guys? Lord, uh, we love the older generation. We love their wisdom. And we love the fact, Lord, that they've stayed faithful, Lord. And I want to pray for the next season to be the most fruitful in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that they would find places where they can be well used where they can be productive lord where they can impart the lessons they've learned so that the next generation doesn't have to walk through them lord and i want to pray for the presence of god that they know lord i want to pray they bring it back into the houses lord back in, back into your house lord back into people they meet lord jesus lord they know it they carry it and I pray, Lord Jesus, it would be very easy in this next season to impart. I want to pray for meetings of people, Lord, that are just random. That just becomes normal for these guys in the time they have, Lord, just to come across people and pray, Lord, like Philip and the eunuch, Lord. They come across someone and they lead them to Christ, Lord. They come across someone and they heal them, Lord. They've been faithful. And I want to pray, Lord, that your miracles follow them as they step out again. I want to pray you give them strength to step out again, Lord, knowing, Lord, that you are a great God. Amen. Just going to hand you over to the 75-year-old.
<laughs> so rude. Um, I think that was profound from Nick. Um, don't you? I think there was, uh, you know, if you could prepare a bit better next time. <laughs> but the, the Lord has been speaking, I believe. And uh, don't, I'm going to stop and pray in a second, so don't worry. It's not, I'm not going to go in for the long thing. But I've just come off a sabbatical. And uh, I've been thinking about the journey of faith. And how uh, in the earlier year, I'm entering my 60th year. And in the early stages, post-conversion at the age of uh, uh, 20, uh, 21, um, it was about production. It was action. It was movement. It was starting, pioneering. It was uh, you know, doing anything to obey God. Uh, read the Bible, then read it again, then keep reading it. Read it in different languages. Read what you, you know, absorb and embrace and become productive. And, and then... Um, hard knocks as you grow older more perspective greater awareness of what you don't know recognizing that life's complexities are sometimes intractable and that some things don't get solved and won't get solved in my lifetime and all of that to walk with God and rather than try to go around these things recognizing that the only way was to go through them and still is and some of us who are a, a, bit, a bit, bit further on in the journey with the Lord that's nothing to do with age but journey in the Lord recognizing some of those things now and what Nick has given to us is a, a really great help to uh, about the irrespective of this, the place we're in the, you know, the journey outward is action produ production we often uh, hit a wall and the, the ancients have got this kind of way of describing the spiritual journey in that kind of way and the wall is pain and it's struggle and it's heartache but the, the going through those moments can bring you to the journey outward and what Nick described was in my book uh, what I had written down was those, those three things and that the journey outward is a journey where you care less and less about what people think of you and more and more about other people Less and less about what people think about you, but more and more about others. And that is a sign of the kingdom of God advancing in your heart. And so I wonder about your hearts this morning. I wonder about where you are. I wonder about, are you confused? Are you in pain? Are you struggling? Are you doing all of those things and yet retaining the wellspring of life? Are you guarding that heart is suffering making you softer not harder has pain made you more malleable rather than more rigid uh, because uh, as I was saying over the weekend I don't think I've heard many many Christ-like people say to me during the their journey as they describe things you know it was when I won the lottery and got a bag full of money that I became more like Jesus. It, it was, honestly, it was the Ferrari that did it. That was when I got a revelation about Jesus and his humility. I just, but you hear lots of people say what Winston Churchill mentioned, that in the valley, 
you mature. What Christians say is in the valley, whether you feel the presence of God or not. And I've been in meetings these last few years where I felt nothing. On the outside, I'm still singing along, but I feel nothing. And I sense nothing. But I trust God. Irrespective of my emotions. And, and by the grace of God, in this last month or two, I've begun to feel his presence again in a way I've not really felt for a while. Now, I didn't walk from God. And in essence, I don't think he was ever not with me. Ever. But sometimes I could feel and fall in love with the feelings of his presence rather than him. And that needs some thinking about in a charismatic church. So, how's your heart this morning? How are you feeling this morning? How tender are you this morning? Because I think we've been presented with something that can sustain us for the rest of our lives. Let's guard our hearts. Would you like to stand with me? Is that the right thing to do now? Is that okay? well-worked, well-oiled machine. We've got a plan now. Um, so what we're going to do is invite you, if you're responding to anything you've heard this morning, we're going to pray for you over here to the, my left, your right. And uh, we'd just like to, you know, uh, so if the prayer team can help us, maybe P Paul, Mark, if you're open for that, that'd be great. Um, and uh, I think by, by responding, some of us have been around enough to know that it's really totally nothing to do with coming out to the front it's totally entirely to do with what's going on in your own heart but we'd like you like the prayer team to come and pray and that kind of thing so we'd just like somebody perhaps you'd like someone to just stand with you and just pray for you and pray for the tenderness of God um, the only way is through for some of us as opposed to the only way is up but that's another song Let's just pray together and then I'll invite you forward. Is that okay? Father, I thank you for the church in Isca, the groups in uh, the church in Exmouth and in Hatherley. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of a beautiful church and beautiful churches. Thank you for what you've done over the years and how you have consistently served um, these people and how, Lord, these people have consistently served their neighborhoods. Lord God, I want to pray that you would meet us as a people today and that you would take us forward, that we would journey with you to the very end. And Lord, help us to walk with tender hearts despite the pains and struggles that we've felt and the wounds that we've endured. But Lord, to now say, despite all that, I love the Lord. Amen. If that's you, why don't you come forward? We're praying I'll hand over to Rich. Just come out now and that would be great. Is that okay?